joined by Dave McDermott um, from Boston. Uh, David, welcome. Um, David, this is a surprise for you because we did originally say we were going to do something to do with GUASCO, but we want to announce this terrific award. You've won Paper of the Month. Um, this is, I imagine, <laughs> Papers of the Month, double. Papers of the Month. I imagine this is one of the highlights of your career because I remember last time we were pulling your leg about not winning a Nobel Prize. Um, yes. And, but this is the equivalent of that. And so you, uh, you need not worry. Um, everything will be fine from here on in. David, there were two papers. Um, the first, uh, both in the JCO, uh, both, I think, relevant. One really relevant. Um, so it's pembrolizumab in what is actually non-clear cell renal cancer, not exclusively papillary renal cancer. And I think that's really important in view of the recent data with cabozatinib and other VEGFTKIs, and I want to put that in context. And then the second thing, and we're going to just do 10 minutes on each, we then need 10 minutes on pembrolizumab as a single agent. And the bit I'm really interested there is the component parts, because you might remember the uh, the EMA said back in the day that they weren't going to approve Ipinevo because no one had actually... Um, unpicked the component parts of the activity of single agent PD-1 inhibition. And with response rates of 39% in unselected patients, it looks pretty active. So those are the two issues I want you to address. Do you want to just describe 427 non-clear cell cohort with the top line data for us? Uh, sure. Glad to do it. Always glad to be back with the your amigos. <laughs> <laughs> We're always glad that you joined us, David. <laughs> yes, although I think you need to fire the committee who picked paper of the month because is well, that'd be Tom and I, so we'd be That's firing me. Ourselves. But yeah. make the whole thing quite complicated, then, <laughs> wouldn't it, David? <laughs> I understand, but it's not clear how I became the paper of the month or our. Oh, the, pr the process is extremely rigorous, David. <laughs> I can't imagine, but. This, this paper. But maybe you could talk about your paper. Maybe what, why don't you do that? That's, okay, that's traditionally what happens at these events. Okay, fine. All right. So this trial was a decade in the making. Um, the, I, the idea came when we first saw the early results with Nevo um, in the in the uh, second line in the so-called you know 003 study, Checkmate 003, which is the trial that sort of launched PD one to where it is now across multiple cancers. So when we saw that early activity, um, Mike Atkins and I suggested uh, to a, a company that they would want to consider moving PD-1 to the front line, uh, potentially in uh, selected patients. Uh, that idea didn't exactly take off. <laughs> like most of your ideas, David. Correct, <laughs> correct. Um, ahead of, it was ahead of its time. I think that's what you're trying to say. Well, I could, yeah, that's, yeah, that's at least something to say. But going back to what Tom was saying about component parts, I think eventually the reason the clear cell portion of this trial got done was at least in part to see how PD-1 performed on its own in kidney cancer um, with pembrolizumab as, you know, as sort of supporting the axi-pembro combination, which you guys mm -hmm. are all too familiar with. Um, but I think Merck was wise to allow us to explore non-clear cell kidney cancer. I think also historically non-clear cell patients were excluded um, from many trials all the way back to the cytokine era where IL-2 and interferon were even less active in non-clear cell patients than they were in clear cell patients. Um, so it remained to be tested. They were also excluded from all the early PD-1 trials, but I think 
Merck deserves some credit for doing such a large mm-hmm. cohort of non-clear cell patients in this study with 165 patients. I think like many PD-1 trials these days, the results were better than I think either the sponsor or the investigators could have imagined, um, you know, with a 36% response rate in clear cell patients and a 26 or 27%, something like that in non-clear cell patients. To Tom's question about the non-clear cell data, I think the other nice thing about this study was its a lot, its size and it's the fact that we had independent review of pathology um, and some serious biomarker work that has been partially uh, presented, but the activity is what stands out in non-clear cell patients, uh, particularly the activity in the predominant histology that was enrolled, the papillary patients, where the response rate is uh, 25%. I don't think anyone would have predicted that, and it's not, in some ways, not all that consistent with what we've seen in other smaller samples. Right. And David, um, the, the numbers aren't huge, but just go for the P for me for the PFS and the OS too. The PFS is not spectacular, but the OS seems extraordinarily long to me. Yes, P, right. So PFS is four months, OS twenty nine months at the median. For the, it's obviously the, not. Go ahead. For the pillory cohort. For the non clear cell cohort as a group. Yeah, let's focus on the pillory if we can, because I think the rest gets diluted a bit. Well. Okay. It's David's paper. Let him talk about it. Yes. So I think. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Happy to, happy to see I you. appreciate this. I haven't always had this defense mechanism in my prior year, amigo. So I appreciate it. <laughs> so you're right. So so the response rate is interesting. OS is interesting. I think the fact that PDL one expression was actually in some ways more associated with outcome in the non-clear cell group than the clear cell group. Can I, can I ask about that? Sorry to interrupt. Of course. I was going to ask. Let me just finish my sentence. Okay, three time, your chance of response was three times higher if you were PDL one high by the Merck definition of CPS greater than or equal to one than if it was low. So, you know, that's, I find that also biologically interesting because I think the point of this coat, the point of this trial, which I think is interesting for all future trials, is it looks like biology is more important than histology when it comes to predicting who responds to immune therapy in kidney cancer, meaning the immune response to the tumor is probably more important than what the pathologist says the histology of the tumor is. Um, right. I, and I think that what we learned subsequently from this trial will also he- help educate future non-clear cell studies because we will hopefully be able to show, you know, looking, we have yet to look at the DNA analysis on these patients. But I think when we look at that, we may also learn about what people are calling non-clear cell cancer that may not always be non-clear cell cancer right. on all of these trials. Brian, what so, was your question? My question was, do you think pdl one status is really a biomarker that enriches? Because we've been misled before in small trials or single arm trials. And then in big trials, it doesn't seem to pan out. And I get all the vagaries of the biomarker, et cetera. But do you think it's a true signal or just a result of the small trial? Uh, yeah, I want to. I'm obviously ridiculously biased because I want to believe that <laughs> biomarkers are worth exploring and in kidney cancer, I, I the three the fact that the response rate is three times higher is, you know, probably outside of what you would expect and would probably hold up in future trials. But I think we need to go beyond uh, PDL one. We're looking sure. at obviously RNA uh, sequencing data and mutational status um, 
for these patients. Um, I do think we can enrich for, for benefit of single agents, but the problem is people like you guys are blowing past single agent therapy um, and, and making biomarker. It sounds like you're blaming us for that. That's what it sounds no, no, like. No, but it makes it, it, it's almost irrelevant. It's like, yeah. we, we have to move on. It, there's no way to identify when you're combining all therapies in one, you know, sort of stew. I don't think you can select out the winners yeah. as easily. It's going to be impossible. Speaking of moving on, David. So yes, sir. We're in a position now where the PAPMET study came out which showed a response rate for cabazatinib of 23% versus 4% for sunitinib, um, which showed a hazard ratio of 0.6 for PFS, but only a nine-month PFS, and an OS of about 15 to 18 months, depending on how you look at it. Um, your study um, shows response rates not dissimilar to that for the clear cell for the non-clear no, cell no. components component and indeed the papillary cohort i think your pfs is probably a bit shorter well i know it's in direct comparisons and your os looks a bit longer so without doing too much and then you look at aspen trials and axipevs and the pfs and the sorry the response rate for VEGFTKIs looks to be between 10 and 20 percent the, the pfs looks to be between six and nine months and the os looks at about 18 months your data seems in line with that You've done a 100-patient or 160-patient trial. These yep. other trials are smaller. So the Aspen's got 100 study, the Axipap's 56, the Sinitinib one's only 50 patients. Why are we not looking at this data in the same light as the VEGF-TKI data? Why is the pembrolizumab not getting strong recommendations as a single agent if it looks as robust, if not more, than some of the other data available to us? Oh, if I was on one of those uh, committees <laughs> that you were, for some reason, in charge of, um, I would be advocating for the use of single-agent PD-1 blockade for non-clear cell patients. So, so um, based, and I'm not category one evidence, but there's some evidence that it's active. Because the other piece we haven't even gotten to is the CR rate in non-clear cell patients, which was like 6.7% or something ridiculous. Um, so there are some patients in this group that will get durable benefit mm -hmm. that you don't see with CABO, and you can always use CABO later. I think that if you put CABO in the guidelines, you probably have to put PEMBRO there too. So David, I think. Well, you but, but, you, but, but there's a randomized trial. There's a randomized trial, and the PATMET study is a positive randomized phase two with a hazard ratio of 0 0.6, meeting its primary endpoint right. in a prospective randomized study. And that's right. a very but powerful I, statement. But it only tells that you that one better, TKI is better than another, right? Which well, we but knew. It be, but it has to be the gold standard. And why can't, in my really? opinion, or do you disagree with that? I don't know. That's my, that's what, I think if I you disagree. do a positive randomized phase two against sunitinib, then that's a gold standard. I disagree. Well, there are, there are, there are things that are on the guidelines without randomized data. So IL-2 is still in there, you know, okay. Not if I had anything to do with it. <laughs> I, I understand. You, you seem to be against curing patients with, wow. with kidney cancer. Wow. Let's move away from IL-2, David. Let's just off discussing. Because I, I have provocatively said that I don't think it should be there. I'm sort of sit somewhere in the middle, oh, to be honest. Okay, but here's what I would say to you about yes. your PAPMED study, yes. is sequence those tumors and tell me how many of those patients really have BHL mutations before we get too excited about hmm. the activity in that trial. Interesting. So I have a question, David. Pap metastatic papillary patient comes in tomorrow, has lung disease, whatever, not hugely high volume or symptomatic. Are you going to give them single agent Cabo based on PapMet? Are you going to mm -hmm. give them single agent Pembro based on your data? Now, let's assume they can tolerate whatever you want to throw at them. 
or which obviously to me makes the most sense, give them an IOTKI combo, you know, pick your favorite. Right. So I and think don't say clinical trial or it depends just, you got to pick one of the three It's a multiple choice question. Okay. Cause I was going to advocate for Brad McGregor's trial, which is Cabo Epinevo. Of course we're all for trials. Patients. We agree, but patient doesn't okay, want to go fine. on. Trials. I'm going to give them Pembro first if they're asymptomatic okay. with Cabo in the background, if um, they progress. And why um, not a combo? I understand why not there's a no com- data. Right, because I don't think in a true papillary patient, it, VEGF blockade adds much. Hmm. Uh, I think most of what's driving the benefit there are clear cell patients who are misclassified as not really? clear cell patients. You think I, most of the I, activity seen with Cabo and PapMet was really a truly clear cell right. patient. But there was a central pathology review, wasn't there? Pretty sure. It, right, but unless you sequence the patients, I think you put in some clear cell patients. Sounds like so this could be another if debate. We move, if, we move away from the conspira- okay. if we move away the, from the conspiracy theory around the pathology, <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be great. <laughs> so, so, David, on that, let's move across to your second paper of the month. Yes, I'm um, excited to do that. The first time we've which, ever had uh, two. Back-to-back publication to the JCO. In this, you've got 110 clear cell frontline patients. Yes. Um, you've got a rejective response rate of 36% of patients. You've got yep. a CR rate of 4%. Mm-hmm. Your PFS, again, is a little bit short at yep. seven months, which Correct. I think is reasonable. But your, um, your, 20 or your two-year OS is 70%, which is clearly very respectable and terrific um, adverse event profile data. What does this add to the, to, to the literature? Oh, so it's the largest prospective clear cell look it, so it tells us pd1 drives a lot of the benefit of pd1 based combinations we understand that pd1 is the most single agent is probably the most tolerable single agent that we can give so you've got a tolerable active approach that might be considered for certain patients who want immune therapy but can't tolerate combos um, so it, it i think it's a it's a platform on which you could build. Um, obviously, the field is moving to building on the PD-1 VEGF uh, platform, you guys leading the way, which is fine. But ultimately, I think there are a group of patients who benefit from PD-1 CTLA-4. There's a group that are PD-1 VEGF. There are probably those are probably slightly uh, non-overlapping groups, mm-hmm. I think. But I would like PD-1 to be the platform on which you build. So for example, I think if you add HIF to PD-1, that's worth exploring. But I think if you add HIF to VEGF and PD-1, you're not gonna see a whole lot, I think. Um, I think it's gonna be washed out in the early benefit, which is how these trials are gonna be decided. So I think- Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, so I think what this 427 cohort A says is that PD-1 alone is a reasonable platform on which to build in the right uh, patients. It's driving a lot of the benefit, um, you know. Uh, so but it also... I think, but the field is moving past right. that view. I understand the other, the last thing I would say is this is a good, very high enriched, good risk group. 38% of these patients were good risk. That's the highest of any of these frontline trials. So the benefit is probably better in the right patient than what we saw in this trial. So I'd say two things, I agree with you. But it also reinforces the benefit of combos, right? Because response rates go from 35 to 60 or 70 and CRs go from four to 10 to 16 and PFS is increased, you know, and I'll, I, I know you're going to say those right. are tumor shrinkage endpoints. I get it. 
but who in clinical practice, if anybody, do you give Pembro Mono to? And is it, are you just selecting because they can't tolerate a doublet or are you selecting based on some other factors? I, well, I think patients tolerate them th- these the same regardless of clinical factors. Obviously, if they have symptoms, they need a VEGF, mm-hmm. PD-1 combo. If they don't, I think it's more a perception of their willingness to take on risk. Mm-hmm. So if a patient is not highly motivated to deal with the tox of CTLA-4, then we just give PD-1 alone. Um, David, yes, on that I, issue, so those good risk patients, the response rate is only 31% and the CR rate is only 3% right. in that good risk population. So right. that, that, for me, is that reinforcing the point that actually immune therapy is not great in the good risk population? Ooh, all right. So that's a different <laughs> discussion. Ooh. I guess what I'm using that to show is that because there's so many good risk patients in a properly selected group, the activity might be higher. You know, so if the if the good risk group was like 31 percent, which is what it was in LenPem, or 22 percent as it was in Cabo Nevo, um, the activity we saw would be even higher. I think we had a well selected group of patients, and but that I, hurts the data. I, I think you're sidestepping the issue. Oh, no, I'm, not, is, I'm ready. Come, I'm coming like a, you know, house like a freight on train. Like a freight yes. train. Okay. You, you so, come, okay, 31% response rate in the favorable risk patients yes. with a 3% CR rate. You're not selecting any patient under those circumstances. Okay. But you asked good risk patients, do they get IO therapy or not? That's what you asked, right? Yes. And what's the answer to the question? Absolutely. Okay, because if the goal is late endpoints and durable endpoints, curing the patient, to use Dr. Rinney's word, which he started to use (laughs) on the podcast with Dr. Yonash the other day, he used the C word. Okay, that's good. I know he used it. If that's the goal, then I still think you're sidestepping this question. No, no, I'm not. I'm coming right. I'm coming right (laughs) to it. You're on this paper, Checkmate 214, treatment free survival in the good risk patients. Okay. In intermediate and poor, TFS is twice sinitinib in Checkmate 214. In the good risk patients, it's three times as long. Yeah, as you'd expect. All right, so the – okay. But, but the response rate is only 31% in I this understand, risk population, but look at and OS. that's not high enough. That's not I high told, enough. We told you three years ago that those OS curves were going to cross, okay, in good risk patients, and they are absolutely doing that right now. Oh, let's not go okay. there. So, uh, let's, yeah, we're not so, here. To, oh, I'm so going David, there. I'm, we're going to part this discussion. It's all about the tail. We're going to part this discussion. You guys have <laughs> a very droopy, saggy tail. <laughs> we're going we're to part this, Immune David. Therapy, you want, your goal is you need, so, you need firmness in the tail, not well, sagginess. I'll, I'll counter and say yes, but you also need balance up front. So if you're giving Pembro Mono, your primary PD rate is 30%, right? So... You, you can't give it to okay. somebody who can't afford to progress clearly. I agree with you. Correct, I, but that's not a good risk patient because a good risk patient by definition is asymptomatic. Uh, well, okay, we can argue that later. But I'm just saying that one consideration of giving Pembromano is, you know, a third of patients are going to progress right through it, right? You would agree? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's, absolutely. that's the data. I, um, I should stop cursing, <laughs> but yes. We'll, we'll edit it. But I've we given, I've given Pembromano, but it's just in patients who are so frail that they won't tolerate a doublet. They can't take a TKI. And so I don't know what else to do. And that's what I'm asking. I don't do it much, right? But yes. I, I do it. I, I think that is, is, is certainly supportable. I think the one piece of data that is disappointing is in melanoma, when we start with single agent PD-1, you can salvage people and get very similar OS by adding CTLA-4 mm-hmm. later. Okay. That is 
so far there's there's evidence in kidney cancer that if you don't give CTLA-4 up front, you're certainly losing something in those trials, whether it's HCRN or Omnivore or the other one that's escaping. Uh, Titan. The, um, Titan. And do right. you think the same um, is true of VEGF? I know the experiment hasn't been done, but could you could you start with single-agent Pembro and add Axie or Len later? Or does I, that not really make sense? Sure. I, well, I think... It, I think in practice, that's what people are going to do. They're going to go, those who believe in giving Ipinevo first, for example, the limited few, are going to then switch to PD-1 VEGF in the salvage setting, whether there's data or not, um, to support that. I think the other question is just as interesting, which is, I personally think that VEGF is helping in the short term, but it's not clear to me that it's helping in the long term if your goal is to enhance the immune response to the tumor um, so I think in some patients, we're probably giving the VEGF too I long. Agree. And I think one of the weaknesses of those VEGF studies is you had a hard stop on the PD-1, but there should have been a similar stop on the VEGF. Sounds like he's because then we'd be able to address us, the question. That's what it sounds like to me. No, I no, agree with you. I'm I totally saying, agree. Speaking, of, speaking, of, in practice, speaking of criticism, David, David, speaking of criticism, <laughs> two questions in your paper. Yes. Number one, the yeah. PD-1 positive population in the clear cell didn't get a balance. Um, so 44% response rate um, in the clear cell cohort um, versus 36. So no real change there. Um, so what's happening in that pd one positive population and why is the biomarker not working? And is this another example of problems with the biomarker? Um, right. So the biomarker admittedly is not great, if that's your point. <laughs> the enrichment was mild at best. The, the data with the RNA-seq data is a little bit better, but that is weakened by the fact that we did not sequence enough of these patients. We didn't get quality tissue. Can you look at the 151 patients to do the sequence? Um, we are trying to encourage that. <laughs> Good luck. At the moment. <laughs> I mean, it makes all the sense in the yes, world. Right. Biased, but, you know. No, I think that's brilliant, brilliant work by you, you hear guys. That yes, brilliant. I think it is. Yes. Mm. Brilliant work. And that's where we should be going, because ultimately the argument is still the same. It's been the same for 25 years. It's about the rational application of immune therapy. Right now we're getting irrational. I'm not arguing for giving IO therapy to everyone. What I'm saying is give it to the right patients early on and produce durable benefits in the patients who already have an immune response in the tumor. For most of those other patients, IO therapy is is not helping at all. And we're over treating yeah. patients with iotherapy, hoping for a response. That was the biggest mistake we made as a group. And I think we're all on this paper <laughs> um, about treating beyond progression um, because most progression in it's kidney progression. cancer yeah. is real. It's not pseudo. And we hurt patients by wow. treating them beyond progression. I think. David, I've got a last question. I'm going to hand it over to Brian. My last question. I'm going to end on something positive. Good. The clear cell component, the, the sarcomatoid component had a response rate of 62%. Mm-hmm. That seems very high to me. Is, can we get away with single agent Pembro in that, clear, in that sarcomatoid um, group? It, it's obviously a very small number. I think the number was like 11 patients in that group. Um, but it's very appealing, particularly for those patients who don't want to, you know, to handle the extra tox. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it, and it shows you that PD-1 is driving much of the benefit in tumors that are high PD-L1 expressing, which are what those sarcomatoids. Right. Although are. no CRs in that group. Again, it's 11 patients. So. Right. If you want durable, you add CTLA-4. Yeah. Remember, it's all about stopping the treatment. It's 
depth of response is important, but it's depth. And then we stop the drug and the patients live. And it does look after. like over interpreting your PFS curves, there is a tail in the clear cell cohort, at least, you know, after 24 months, it yeah. flattens out again, small numbers, all the caveats. Whereas in the non-clear cell, you don't really see that tail on the PFS curve, at least not yet. To me, it looks like it's going down right. a little bit, but we'll see. Right. Right. And I, I would think if there are any people out on the tail in a non-clear cell group, my guess is a lot of those would be in those unclassified patients, some of which probably harbor. It'll be really interesting back to your conspiracy theory to see how many of your 165 patients actually have VHL mutations. What, what's your guess? Let's let's take a guess. Loser has to buy dinner. When I would say together. it's 10. You think it's 10, Tom? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I'd rather not take part in the conspiracy. <laughs> I may. I'm, I'm okay. going to say 15%. Well, stay tuned. I'll take That's all I have to say. 15 to 20%. Okay. No. Brian, do you uh, it's good. Just up? congratulations on back-to-back first author JCO publication. I think the data are really important. I mean, Tom, to your point, I mean, this is the largest both, non-clear cell study both. ever done, right? And certainly in terms of single arm. Yeah. It's a, we talk about contribution of components all the time, but, but we rarely have data to support it. And, and I think these data are really important and I think should inform clinical practice. I mean, I think there are patients who can't tolerate doublets, you know, and so it gives us some confidence that single agent Pembro has activity. And let me, okay, I'll do one last question. I mean, this is, um, do you think Pembro is yeah. different than the other PD-1 agents? Oh, I, no, I will not answer You don't have a choice. Question. There's no, you have to answer. I have well, to I can answer the question. I'm happy to answer it. So I don't think there is any evidence that the difference between the PD-1 inhibitors that it currently stands. I realize that there are some differences in the way they're made, et cetera, and so on. But the reality is that there is no evidence to suggest that there are clear differences between the PD-1 inhibitors. And I would argue that clearly there are distinctions between sure. PD-1 and PDL one um, which, and, and most people in kidney cancer feel that there is a difference between the two. But again, that hasn't really been proven yeah, in a yeah. randomized trial yet. Um, and um, and and I think we need to be very careful about over. We do it all the time. It's what this whole podcasts are about. I understand that, but this is quite an important <laughs> issue. So, so <laughs> saying Pembro is better than Nevo currently is, is premature, or vice versa. Okay, um, that's reasonable. I won't dispute that. I was gonna. What I was gonna say though is, I appreciate Brian's support of our work. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> But I, I think taking it a step further, what would be nice is to take the correlative data from this trial and compare it to one of the other uh, trials that are out there. So, for example, looking at comparing Keynote 426 and 427 totally. as it relates to correlatives, while not perfect, it helps re, you know, it helps bring us back to the great days of Emotion 150, where we have we can look at the individual components of these regimens i agree um, with you and the, and and the same company is biology. involved with both trials so we should be able to make that happen i agree that would be hugely important so let's let's Correct. talk about how to make that's that i think we should yeah. end on that yes. be good for the field yes, right in terms of to. selecting and who needs it i've got a really Absolutely. i've got a really important game of rugby right. i need to go and watch everybody so uh we're gonna have to wrap it up uh, we can wrap soon. it up now that was good good discussion <laughs> all right <laughs> David, yes, listen, excellent. congratulations i really enjoyed uh, i enjoyed reading both papers that's really great yeah <laughs> Always a pleasure right, to, to see you all soon. Bye. 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 Bye.